Okay, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Spot the Spotlight series. And uh, we are in our anime month of... <laughs> of it's anime. Anna May. There you go. That sounds so like a country-ass name. Oh, Anna. Where's my daughter? Anna May. <laughs> I'm, that is a country-ass name. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, this month, it's May. And we are watching some of the coolest, important uh, anime movies of all time. Some will be live action. Uh, the majority of them should be animated. Uh, there's a couple of live action ones that just kind of need to be seen because they were actually pretty good. Uh, the majority of them are ass. And we'll try to avoid the ass. We might do a honorable mention episode on the uh, Death Note one. Because we watched it. I don't think I need to watch it again. I could I could, I could live my whole life without ever having watched but that But I movie could talk again. about that movie and be fine and just record it. Well, it's, yeah, it's just going to be angry. If you want to hear us yelling about Death Note, let us know on our Twitter, at Pod, and maybe we'll add it because maybe, yeah. we'll, maybe we'll talk about we it. Love, I don't, necess- I don't we, necessarily want to talk about that yeah, movie, but I will. Yeah, we love some Death Note, and that movie was bad. But anywho, uh, <laughs> the opposite of the Death Note live-action movie is one of the... Seminal. It's one of the most important like pieces of animation that came out in the late eighties, hands down. Uh, I I showed animation ever. Yeah, uh, it shaped animation from the point when this movie came out. It has shaped animation yeah. forever. Uh, a lot of bigwig people say that this movie was one of the first like, uh, kind of like like in Red Rover, the first person just like fuck it, I'll go first. Like. It, one of the, the first ones to start the ball rolling in animation in Western audiences. Uh, before this movie, there weren't a ton of them. Uh, there was one, uh, Nausicaa, The Wind. Uh, damn it, it's an old one. But it, it there wasn't that much animation in America like this. Uh, graphic and real. Uh, a lo- yeah, this movie... So this is my first time watching this movie. And I could tell, after having watched it, I could definitely see how influential this movie was in western culture like in western animation yes um prior to this a lot of most animation that came out is very cartoony and you know what i'm talking about when i say cartoony like all the figures are rounded all the people have four fingers you know the eyes are really like absurdly big there's a lot of goofy shit happening around the people it wasn't it didn't look like people, really. It looked like a cartoon character. And this film really brought out the realism that is possible in animation and changed how we create animation from now on. Yeah. Base, or from this, from 1988 on, yeah. basically. So uh, if you still have some guesses of what it is, or if you clicked into the episode, you know what I'm talking about. But uh, we're talking about the movie Akira. It's... It's one of the most ridiculous movies ever. And if you haven't seen it, seriously, watch it at least once. Uh, You're going to be confused. It'll take a couple of viewings to get all of what they're throwing down. Because there's... It's a lot. And I'll explain why it gets complicated in the middle of this movie. The beginning and ends are simple-ish. Yeah. But the middle is where... It's convoluted. Yes. Um, but Akira, uh, I showed Katie... There's a few scenes that pop up in animation till to this day... Um, I showed her a collection of, there's a scene, uh, one of the main characters, Kaneda, he's on his Very beginning. iconic red bike, and he does this like power break, and he's sideways sliding, 
and the wheels like have electricity in them and so they they're sparking and he's sliding to a stop every like cartoon from like 1990 until now has still does that have copied that uh i want to say it was it uh not adventure time the uh steven universe they they just did it recently yeah. they they did that skid scene well that skid scene is now like the scene that skid scene from this movie is now just what will always happen when someone rides a motorcycle in an in a cartoon it doesn't matter what's actually happening but when that motorcycle comes to a stop you better be damn sure that that does exactly what happens in Akira. Yeah. <laughs> because that's like the epitome of what a motorcycle should be doing. Yeah, sliding it, sideways It's hardcore. not always, like in Akira, it's sparks that fly, but in all other anime they use, uh, it's like the skid of the tires creates that like smoke. Yeah. So the tires are skidding and smoking, and the person has their leg like out basically like a kickstand to make sure that they don't fall. Um, and it has happened in everything. It, it's it's like, fucking cool. Like uh, tons of people, Spielberg. People have said that this movie is so important. It's on so many lists of movies that you have to watch before you die. And like I said, you don't have to love this movie, but you have to respect what they're doing and just give it a shot. There are things in this movie that you will like. Um, there, an episode of Rick and Morty recently. Uh, Morty grabs uh, a ton of these weapons from his uh, grandpa's garage and he fights these bullies. And he starts attacking the police, and so uh, the news is recording all this, and they say, uh, uh, this is the Channel 5 News, and uh, apparently there's a boy, and he's... Uh, having an Akira moment. Having an Akira moment, and he's just fighting everybody, and no one can stop him. It, <laughs> and it's that's basically thing. what this movie is. <laughs> and at the end of the, the, the episode, like, Jerry, like, Morty's dad is like, okay, no more Akira moments with my son. I don't want to see anything anime happening in this house anymore yeah. and it's just one of those things it's like which is basically you, just telling me that we need to have a an entire episode of rick and morty in anime style yeah. like i need an anime <laughs> episode of rick and morty yes they did yeah. that short that lone wolf and cub yeah i know that one was fucking oh, bad but I, uh, oh. badass but i need another one i need a whole episode not a short a full 25 minutes like yeah, oh, I mean, the so way good. that show works, there is a, a universe out there where it's straight Japanese. Oh, I know. It's just they I, haven't shown I need, it yet. I, I yeah. need them to show it soon. I need it. So, yes. Um, yeah, we could just stand here and just beat this movie off all night. But wow. um, <laughs> I'm telling you, man, this movie's <laughs> fucking great. Um, so, this movie, it's, a, it's weird because the manga came out before the movie, was still being made during this movie... And actually finished two years after this movie. And the creator actually helped with the movie. So um, he knew where it was going to go. And so the movie is the full encompassing story. But he realized that a ton of people had to just be background characters. There's a couple of characters in this movie that you see them for a couple of seconds. And then just you never see them again. But, but they play a big role in the manga. Yeah, in the manga, they are saving the world. Kaneda is not the main character um, this, this manga is one of those, it's just like, there are 50 characters in it and everyone does something. Everyone's important. No one's like the main character. Um, so the, the movie technically is the first volume and the sixth volume and then two, three, four, five are like that 40 minute gap in the middle where everything was like, oh, just okay. Just weird as shit and they were trying to pile okay, in like so as much information as they so could. So it's a government coup and you can unlock, people can unlock powers just out of nowhere 
Yeah. And why is, huh, oh, he's instantly evil. What the fuck is happening? And it's Yeah, it was a lot. It's very confusing. Um, so this was my first time watching it, like I had said before. And, like, I understood the beginning of the movie and the end of the movie. But there was that point in the middle where I just didn't, like, it was hard to follow what because so many things were happening. Um, and I truly believe that if I had watched, if I watched this movie a couple more times, I would understand more of what was happening. So if you're going to watch this movie for the first time, um, don't think you're going to get everything. You're going to understand everything right off the bat because the middle of it is very, it's a lot to take in. Um, I definitely give it like, watch it, give it a week, watch it again. Like I'm probably going to watch this again in a week and like understand more of what's happening because it's just they pile in so much information in that middle chunk that it's too much like (laughs) it definitely felt like this should have been two movies yeah but they just didn't want to make two movies uh later on i'll explain why it probably wasn't going to be two movies uh this was it this took seven companies to get this movie going um it it was a ton of work so The movie consists of 2,212 shots and 160,000 single pictures. And so it's two to three times more than a usual cartoon. And they use 327 different colors, which is another record in animation film. They, like, exclusively created 50 fucking colors for this movie. Um, a lot That's of interesting. Yes, a, a lot of movies. Uh, I mean, I'm assuming they're all still used. Those colors are still used today because, yeah. like, nothing seemed out of the out of place today. Like to my eyes yeah. now, because you know it's been 30 years and they've used because this film basically inspired so much other things, so many other things to happen. Like I've seen all of the stuff. There was nothing new in this movie yeah. that I hadn't seen before already because I'd grown up. In the time past this movie, basically. But I can imagine watching this in 1988, you know, and just that just blows my mind that they had to invent colors and like all <laughs> that crazy? shit like that. So, um, uh, uh, one animation no no apparently is um, t- scenes that take place at night. Apparently, it's just a lot harder with the shadows and stuff to what you want to convey. So, that's why a lot of things happen daytime, it's just easier. This movie said, fuck that noise. We're doing a fuck ton of stuff at night. And so that's why the necessity of making colors had to happen. Because all of the night scenes in this movie. Uh, Like I said, everybody just credits this movie as the movie to just... It it helped everything get going. Um, So the first time I saw this movie, it was... Obviously, I didn't watch it when it came out because I was like one years old. Um, It... The mid-90s Sci-Fi Channel actually had the rights for it for a little bit. So I saw it on the Sci-Fi Channel, which I watched. You watched it before Johnny on Bosch was part of it. Yeah. You watched the original dub. Yeah. So um, uh, the Sci-Fi Channel had a ton of crazy stuff. You know, I was watching Twilight Zone and stuff. And in this crazy movie with kid that has psychic powers and another kid on a sweet ass motorcycle shooting laser beams and i was like what the fuck is this movie yeah and i sat and watched it like this movie's fucking amazing i can't imagine watching this as a child there were things i didn't get oh yeah uh, yeah but it was because even now watching it as an adult i was like damn this is like intense the amount of um i mean this is mostly adult themes like yes the main characters are kids and there's like a like a slight aspect of like 
some, you know, some bad kid, like, teen, like, graffiti and, like, some, you know, they go to a bad kid high school, basically. Like, they're kind of punks. Um, and then there's, like, the teen romance aspect of it. Yeah. But aside from those three small tropes that are not really a big part of the movie, most of the subject con- or the content in this film is a very adult. There's, like, a government coup happening. There's, like, a government fucking, tr- like, um manipulation and weapon building and there's all this crazy shit that's happening politically in this movie that just my child mind there's like my adult mind can barely handle like all the (laughs) stuff that was happening i can't even like there's no way i would understand most of what's happening like i would have looked at this as a child and just like ooh, that's pretty (laughs) and that's it that's like (laughs) so uh one of the cool things with uh japanese animation uh one of the lessons they always bring up is that um surviving technology instead of like cartoons now and you know in america and stuff it's more like i got a big ass robot let's go kick some ass you know we have all this technology especially with sci-fi in america like star trek yeah that technology keeps them alive and helps them save the world uh a lot of movies and stuff it's like godzilla that movie was because the bombs got dropped in japan it made a giant fucking dinosaur monster. Yeah. So this movie, it starts with a fucking explosion like a nuke. Yeah. And it's it's them surviving in Neo Tokyo, a very shitty place. Yeah. And so that's always a running theme in in anime and stuff. It changes a little bit now. It's a lot more like, you know, easier to digest. But back in the day, there were a lot of like thoughts of just like, nah, man, technology's kind of shitty. And it'll yeah. get us all killed. Well, I mean, that's still... It has died down now because, um, like, in when Iron Man came out, that basically shifted what movies were going for. Um, and now we've shifted to this, like, superhero movie. Like, yeah. that's, that's the thing. But prior to the superhero movie, I will say, like, between, like, 1990... 1990, probably, and... 2010-ish, the whole, like, the overarching theme of a lot of um, fantasy, sci-fi, everything was like, okay, the robots are great, but eventually they're going to become sentient and they're going to fuck us up. Yeah. Like, we're all going to be living in a dream state, like the Matrix and just fucking like iRobot, all Bicentennial Man, like, not even like the really, like... Mean one, like Bicentennial Man's like a fun family movie, but it's still like, mm, that robot had feelings, and if for some reason it changed its mind and didn't like you, it is fucking murder you. <laughs> like, and that has been a big theme for, was a big theme for like 20 years. And yeah. then we jumped into superhero movies, and everyone kind of just forgot about it. All the while, in real life, we're making more and more complex fucking robots and AI and stuff. And if you, like, want to be real freaked out, go watch some shit about the new robots and stuff coming out of Japan. Like, the new technological advanced, technologically advanced robots, because that shit's for sure going to murder us soon. Yeah. Like, I'm waiting for the next like, wave of movies to be about that again, like, for technology to just fucking destroy us. Yep. So, uh, I'll, I'll do, we'll do a quick broad strokes, because there's so much to this movie. Um, we'll just say before, 
if you haven't seen it and you don't want to really be spoiled on anything, but it's like it's I mean, not we've a already typical, spoiled it. Kind yeah, it's of. not a typical anime. That's the thing too. Like you know, in in anime movies or just an anime, you know, there's a tournament. And then, you know, mm-hmm. the, the main character's got to get stronger and they train with somebody that knows yeah, what they're doing. Yeah, he's got to fail big and then train hard and then come back and be the hero. Yeah, with these characters, they're normal. Like, they, no one even has crazy colored hair like in a typical anime movie. Yeah, these you can are tell, just normal kids. Yeah, you can tell the main character because their hair is probably a different color and it's probably not a natural color. Like, well, my hero's weird because everybody has weird colored hair. But they're yeah. all main characters in their own story. Yeah. But, um, so broad strokes, um, Tetsuo and Kaneda, um, they're part of this uh, bike gang. And, this um, teenager bike gang. And all the while, they're, you know, doing bad stuff, beating up people on their bikes and looking cool. Uh, all the while, there are, uh, the government is experimenting with kids and unlocking latent, like, psychic energy in them. Yeah, for it's, weapons. it's similar to, if you watch um, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. or have ever watched Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., it's very similar to how they unlock the, in, the Inhumans. Yeah, the Terrigen uh, Mist. The Terrigen Mist that un- unlocks the humans. It's similar to that. They don't use, clearly, they don't use Terrigen Mist in this. But basically, the military is experimenting on children, trying to unlock this, like, hidden thing that is within i guess all of us but they start people as kids so that they can train them basically to use them for their power yeah and so um tetsuo uh encounters one of the kids uh riding on his bike the kid like puts up a shield and tetsuo crashes into him and that's enough to unlock tetsuo's just latent ability and lo and behold tetsuo is instantly one of the strongest kids as he's healing up and i think that we that comes from his age yeah because okay so similar to like star wars um to be a padawan basically you have to start as a at a a toddler age basically like they figure out that you're when like in touch with the force or whatever when you're like three and then you're immediately enrolled into a padawan and you haven't seen all the evils of the world because you're a fucking toddler they immediately put you into jedi training and you like grow up within that and get stronger and stronger and stronger from a young age tetsuo was already a teen had already seen all the shitty sides of the world so he was already like double up anakin strong like so I think that was part of it because they had been using such little kids. They hadn't like had a chance to grow and become strong. Like I feel yeah. like all those other kids would have been the same had they used older subject, older test subjects. And it also adds to the point of they understand how much they should push. And Tetsuo, uh, he wasn't a higher up spot in the bike gang. Kind of bullied earlier in life. He was like the nerdy kid. And so, uh, like the movie Chronicle, if you've seen that one, um, three kids get powers. Michael B. Jordan, he's so young and he's cute. Um, Three kids get these awesome powers. Uh, One of them just wants to use powers just, you know, to be popular and get the ladies. The other one doesn't really care that much. And the quiet kid, he's doing fine at first, but then he's like, wait. Wait, I'm a badass. We're better than humans. I'm like an apex predator. I should be in charge. Yeah, fuck all these people. I'm going to kill whoever gets in my way. And it's like, wow, you went evil so fast. Yeah. Same thing happens with Tetsuo. Um, He understands he has powers and he's like, nah, no one's bullying me ever again. 
So no. it's got it's got that side of like a kid with a gun, and he's like, I'm gonna deal with all the people that fucked with me. No yeah. one's fucking with me ever again. Yeah. And so while that's happening, there are government coups. The uh, people are not happy with the military because uh, their first kid, uh, 30 years ago, uh, he just exploded uh, Tokyo, and Tokyo's all types of fucked up. 30 years later, this movie takes place in 2019, and fun fact. There are signs up saying that uh, Tokyo is going to uh, host the twenty, the next Olympics. Like they're building the Olympic Stadium in New Tokyo in this movie in 2019 for the 2020 Olympics. Yes, so which is supposed was supposed to fucking yeah. happen in Tokyo, and because of coronavirus, is going to be pushed to 2021. Like how fucking mind blowing is that? That in 1987, when this film was being made, they were like, "Yes, 2020 Olympics going to be in fucking Tokyo. Fuck everybody." Yep. <laughs> and they fucking knew it. Uh, it's awesome. So I would have put that as part of my Olympic bid. Honestly, like when Tokyo went in to be like in what 2010 or whatever, when they had to start p- putting together this bid, I would have been like, okay, so here's the thing. We want it. And here's like 20 reasons why. Like we got Mario. We got all this. We got this. And also, you remember Akira, how it fucking like affected everything, all future productions of everything and every animation ever. Yeah, it told you that fucking the Tokyo, the 2020 Olympics is going to be in Tokyo, and that's what we need it to be. Yep. <laughs> and the Olympic Committee was just like, all right, sure. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> you're right. <laughs> that's like fucking uh, Doctor Who and the 2012 Olympics. Yeah. When they like predicted that the 2012 Olympics were going to be in, or didn't predict because they already knew, but they like made mention that the 2012 Olympics was going to be in London in like a 2009 episode, yeah. like way earlier before, and that Doctor Who was going to carry the torch for part of it. And then in the fucking opening ceremonies of the 2012 Olympics, they fucking had a Doctor Who like skit thing in their opening ceremonies. <laughs> it's so fucking good. I love when shit does that. Yep. <laughs> uh, yeah. So it, there, are, like like we said, there's different layers to the main story. But the overarching one is uh, a bullied kid gains absolute power mm-hmm. and it corrupts him. And, Immediately. And his, honestly, his best friend, because he yells like it's Sasuke and Naruto. They yell at each other all the time. Yeah. His best friend has to deal with that issue. He wants to save him, but... He tries his best to save yeah, him. And it's just their issues and him, his body just constantly gaining power. He does not get weaker at no. all. And it's just that issue. And then there's more of... The first kid, uh, Tetsuo is trying to find Akira so he can, like, I don't know. He has this urge to find him. They don't really explain what he wants well, to I do. Think, I think it has to do with the testing that the government put with him. Because it seemed like in the fl- the weird flashbacks that he was, that all the kids, all of the weird test kids, were all having flashbacks of Akira. Yeah. Like, so for some reason, whatever the testing thing that they were doing, shock system or whatever... They were putting in Akira's memories um, or something. They were, like, bonded to Akira, and they couldn't break that bond. And that's why he wanted to find him. Yeah. Like, so, they wanted to figure out what the fuck was going on. Yeah. And uh, gain more power. Yeah, so, I guess. So, in the... Combined together. In the manga, uh, you never really technically see Akira physically. Uh, there are some scenes in the movie where you see the kid. Yeah. Uh, but in the manga, he does pop up. Uh, and for a big chunk of the story, Akira's real, and Tetsuo is like his second in command. Yeah. And a lot of shit happens, and they have to fight, and then there's like a third group that comes, and it's, it, it's, it's a lot. It's wild. 
Um, yeah, it, it's a lot to this movie. It's really yeah. hard to fully explain it, but seriously, give it a shot. So, uh, who was your favorite character in this movie? Uh, so, my favorite character was Kyoko. Um, she is number 25, experiment number 25. She was the only female girl, like or little girl, um, that they show, at least, that was part of the government experiments. Um, she's really, all the little kid experiments are really fucking creepy looking. Yeah. <laughs> so, whatever the testing that they're doing on them, um, it causes their body to, like, degenerate. And they look like zombies. Like, the first... 20 minutes of this movie with the with the little boy that yeah. just like escapes i thought that was a fucking zombie i thought we were about to watch a zombie movie because i thought <laughs> that kid was just gonna go and infect everybody but so all these little kids look like zombies and the little girl kyoko she is my favorite because all she wants to do is help um kaneda and kai or k k she wants to help kaneda and k um basically save tetsuo like she's trying to help tetsuo not go over the deep end basically so she keeps like psychic linking with k to guide them in the right direction she when the when the two main characters kaneda and k end up in the facility the government facility where all the kids are looking for tetsuo she like mind links with the girl and is like okay take this go this way go down this corridor take a left do all this and she does it in several different points in the movie to try and like convince them or to get them to go where they need to go to solve the problem and when she pops up at the end she's part of the solution um i just really liked her i don't think she got enough screen time no for uh for how impactful she was to the storyline of the, the oh, yeah. movie. But like I said, there was a ton. Yeah, there was to, a lot happening. They had to shorten. Uh, my favorite character, I'm at the go with Kaneda. Yeah, uh, I knew it. is awesome. Uh, he's just a normal, reckless youth. And plus, it doesn't hurt that his voice, he's voiced by fucking Vash, Johnny Young Yeah, Bosch. Johnny Young Bosch. It's really hard to not love anything that Johnny Young Bosch has done. Every anime or anime movie that we watch, we can like immediately recognize his voice. Like he's popped up in a couple episodes of Naruto. Um when we got towards the end and it was all those like filler episodes, he was just like a random offhand yep. character for a minute. And I was like, that's fucking Johnny Young Bosch. <laughs> like <laughs> from Trigon. He's such his voice is so recognizable. If you don't know who we're talking about because you don't watch anime or whatever for some reason, he was also the Black Ranger in the Power Rangers movie. So after, when they came out with the Power Rangers movie, it was after um, the death of the Yellow Ranger, Trini. And when they decided to make the movie, they asked the original cast members to come back and the original Black Ranger, Zack, decided that he didn't want to come back because Trini wasn't there, the the actress who played Trini. So he chose not to come back, and the Red Ranger couldn't come back for some reason. Well, it was weird because in the show, they switched out people too because they got Rocky yeah, yeah. and Aisha. Well, well, it, it all got of, weird. The th- yeah. So the three characters that are in the new movie were also in the show, and it was like when... After Trini, the actress who played Trini died, the other a couple of other people ended up leaving for whatever reason. Like they wanted they to go like do something old, else. Yeah. They wanted um, to go do other so stuff. So in the movie, it's Tommy, original 
Billy original, Kimberly original, and then they change the Red Ranger to Rocky, the um, the Yellow Ranger to Aisha, mm-hmm. and then the Black Ranger is Johnny Young Bosch, named Adam. Adam, the Frog, and he, he has a very memorable moment in the in the <laughs> film where he I'm just like frog. I'm a frog, and he's upset <laughs> about it, and it's very cute. But yeah, he voices basically every fu- most cool characters that you see in anime oh, yeah. now. And he's great. <laughs> so, um, in the last episode when I was talking about uh, Speed Racer and how much, like, I know a lot, and but I don't big dick it, uh, I love Power Rangers. I know a lot, but that's all I'll say on that. I would love to do some Power Rangers stuff. <laughs> I love Power Rangers. I'm with uh, you for, like, season one and two. Man, they keep bringing back old people now because all of us are, like, old. And, we're like, and that new movie. I'm down to do that new movie. Mm-hmm. And the original movie, Ivan Ooze is my shit. Mm-hmm. Well, no. I don't like his character, but that yeah. movie with Ivan Ooze is I know legit. this next season of the show, Jason's coming back. Yeah. So he found a way to get his morpher to work, which shouldn't. But that's a, that's another podcast. <laughs> but yeah, it's awesome. Um, but yeah, kind of does. He's awesome. He's He wants to save him. Uh, like if, I don't know, if Steve got superpowers and was all crazy, I'm like, Steve, quit. And he's like, Steve, you almost smushed me with that, you son of a bitch. And then I'm like, well... I have well, to stop now we you. Fucking fighting. I have to stop you so you don't kill everybody. But yeah. I don't want to kill you. But I gotta kill you. Um, but he's he's amazing. He's funny. Uh, he's silly. He's he's got a lot of different parts to him, which is great. Mm. Uh, when they get all when the biker gang gets arrested and Tetsuo got grabbed, uh, he like slicks his hair back all nice and he's like smiling and he's like, oh, so you guys were outside after curfew because your mom was sick. He's like, yeah, she had like a. A bad disease. I had to go race and get to her. She's like, how's she doing? Oh, she's great now. You're like, hey, hey, hey. Like, yeah. you know, look at all silly. He's just a silly dude. It's, he, he's amazing. Kind of does one of the coolest characters. Uh, his, he's iconic. He's got the red sweet ass jacket with the pill on the back. His bike is red. Like, that's another thing. Uh, the way he looks has popped up in tons of cartoons and stuff. The way Tetsuo looks, he grabs this red, like, like curtain and he uses like a red cape. Uh, in Japan, uh, hopefully I'm right about this, red is a very brave color. And, well, yeah, that's part of their flag. Yeah, and so that's why, like, in Sailor Moon, Tuxedo Mask, he's black and white, but he uses red roses, and he chunks them at people, and then that's all he does. Uh, he's useless. <laughs> but red's a very strong color. Blue's a good one, too. But red's, red's usually the good guy strong color, and blue is usually the bad guy strong color. True. Typically in, well, in, I mean, I haven't watched nearly as much anime as Otis, but in a lot of the anime that we've watched so far, that has been the case. So yeah. like Red is like Naruto and the Nine-Tailed Fox, the good guy, and Kurama, the good guy, and the bad guys are like covered in blue, like Sasuke and whatever. Yeah. So. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, no, no, kind of is awesome. Like, like I said, everything from this movie has been used in some way. There's probably, if I had to bet... You've seen something with something from this movie. Like, someone oh, yeah. has pulled something. They're like, man, I watched that as a fucking kid. That bike slide, that shit's going in this movie some fucking how. Yeah. I don't care how, we're putting a slide in. Yeah. And this dude's going to have a jacket with that pill on the back. Or he's going to use a laser gun. 100%. Yeah. Uh, who is your least favorite character? Tetsuo. Hey, tag team. Uh, <laughs> you go first, but yeah, I have like, I'll say something quick about Tetsuo. Okay, so the way that Tetsuo looks, and I don't mean... To be insensitive, I guess. <laughs> but 
His, just the entirety of his character is trash. The way that he looks is fucking weird. Like, fr- from out the gate. Like, I understand why he was bullied. The dude has, like, a six head. And, like, Fat not a four forehead, head, not a five head, a six head. And his br- head is sh- weirdly shaped. Like, think about that movie Megamind. Like, that, <laughs> and that's what his head is shaped like. Like, his, the top of his head is fucking huge. Jesus. And his hairline is just like a piece of shit. And his character is an asshole through this entire film. Like, I understand that you got bullied. But at one point, he goes into this bar that his club, like his biker gang frequents. And he fucking takes out the bartender, like, immediately. And his other, like, two of his other gang members, like try to pull him back like no don't do this and he just straight up murders one of them and the other one just like freaks the fuck out and breaks down and is just in a corner crying by the time Kaneda like finally pops up and the dude just like he goes so insane with power so quickly like it's not like for example Star Wars where like I keep coming back to it because it's very similar Star Wars, yeah. you get an, you have an opportunity to kind of bond with the character of Anakin, and you kind of see why, like, you un, there's enough backstory to him that you understand why he kind of snapped and, yeah. like, what happened. But you still feel, like, sad for him. There's still, like, some uh, regret, I don't yeah. know, towards, like, you don't want to hate him completely because, like, he was a good character for a while and he does have redeeming qualities and eventually in the end he does redeem himself <laughs> which this does kind of happen in this movie like he does get a redeeming moment but for 99% of this he is just a fucking asshole yeah so like Katie was saying um uh I'll go with another Disney property uh Black Panther so with Killmonger uh, the whole time before he gets the power of the Black Panther, um, he's speaking truths. He's like, hey, where were you guys when this was happening? And why yeah. aren't you helping our people? All over the world. Yeah. We're being shot down in the streets and all this shit's happening. Yeah, and y'all are being just like xenophobic and just to sitting fair, there. Tetsuo did never, never, ever gave a shit about anybody else. Yeah. But yes. Yeah, you know, y'all are sitting here all like Ebony Towers. <laughs> I can't believe I got that out. Uh, <laughs> sitting here Ebony Towers being all like, mm, that's cool. Where were y'all when Dr. King got blasted? Like, probably scooting around on hoverboards. Like, ooh, sweet, I did it early. Um, and so, you know, he has reason. And then they're like, well, he deserves to get a challenge. Because, you know, I feel bad for T'Challa. He just got that job. And then, like, you got to fight somebody else. And he's like, okay, whatever. And so... When, when he, he got that job, and then he had to fight... Uh, Mumbaku, uh, what the fuck is his Mbaku. name? Mbaku. And then, like, two seconds later, after he, like, recovered from fighting Mbaku, he had to fucking fight Killmonger. It was the most. That was kind of a little T'Challa on got him. Fucked. That was a little on him because uh, they were like, hey, you want to take a break or anything? Like, no, nah, I got this. I'll take him out real quick and then we'll go get some red lobster after this. Yeah, he should have <laughs> taken a break. Yeah. That was his own bad. But, you know, he was pissed because he was talking shit on his dad. Yeah. So, um,. After Killmonger gets the power, and he's like, you know, is this your king? And chunks him off the side like a badass. Well, he like, sw- they give him that, uh, the potion or the flower. Yeah, the heart-shaped the herb. The heart-shaped herb. And he immediately, he goes zero to a hundred real quick. Yeah, like, and, and that's what happens. Um, uh, unlimited cosmic power. Very much <laughs> Jafar. Yeah. Itty bitty living space. Um, in the, uh... Uh, Captain America movie, uh, when uh, 
Erskine? The, yeah. the guy that made the potion. Uh, when he was talking to Steve, he was like, hey, man, you're probably the best person for this because you're a very kind person. It multiplies how you feel on the inside. If you're a piece of shit, you're going to be a super strong piece of shit. Actually, you'll yeah. be like a murderer. So uh, you have to be... Hashtag Bucky. You have to be a soft person and nice and caring to get ultimate power. Yeah. And the heart-shaped herb in Marvel World, it's the closest thing to the Vita Rays and all that bullshit. The super soldier serum, <laughs> so basically. the second that Killmonger got the power, he's like, you know, I want to help all the black people out there. He's like, you know what? I should be in charge of everybody forever i'm destroying all the heart-shaped herbs i'm taking over this shit i'm like nobody's getting this power after me i'm gonna be the only one fuck everybody else that was the dumbest part of it and i understand that if someone grabbed it and ate some they could swing on them just take a couple and hide them but he's like no burn all that shit he's like what if oh, something sure happens to you did. what do you want to not have a kid or anything he's like nah burn it all i'm gonna live forever you dumb <laughs> yeah. but um, it's the whole thing with the absolute power. It corrupts absolutely. There yeah. are good people out there. Like That's Peter... what happened to Tetsuo immediately. Yeah. And uh, it's fast, man. When he starts like opening walls, he's like, oh, shit, I can do that? Hell yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, it, it he he's crap. It and, Tetsuo sucks. And I know it. I understand if the movie was going to be a four-hour movie, they could have gave him more space and be like, okay, there's yeah. reason why he's terrible. But it yeah. happens. So... Fast. I actually found it really interesting in this movie how quickly, um, I mean, not not really, I guess, how quickly he turned, but how long it took for his re- true self to remember itself. Yeah. Like, in a lot of these things, when people just get absolute power and just go corrupt as fuck, um... There's always like that battling of his of their conscience, like mm-hmm. oh maybe you shouldn't do this, maybe you shouldn't do that, and their like former self, the good guy part of themselves, is always in the back of their mind, like fighting them, mm-hmm. like and eventually, good guys become strong enough to like, no, don't fucking do this, and then they get redeemed, right? In this, Tetsuo's good guy was just fucking silent for like. The whole movie until the very, very end when he's like fucking the size of a building and he squishes his girlfriend into a fucking pulp and he's finally like, Kaneda, I don't know what to do. And he's like, help me, please. And like, you fucking like (laughs) waited until you were just the size of Godzilla to ask for help and to realize that you were fucking up. Like, we could have handled this fucking like. 45 minutes ago when you were a normal size person and but no it took him until he was just basically omnipotent yeah <laughs> so the the issue in this movie is uh his body because he's developing so fast and he's using his powers so hardcore instead of like you know taking a break and having a sandwich he's like you know flying in space blowing up satellites with one arm uh his body can't hold all that energy and so he loses an arm at one point because they're shooting like hammer of dawns at him like satellite shooting light at his ass he loses an arm he puts like metal on it so he has a robotic arm for a little bit and his body is just slowly expanding and so he turns into a giant meat baby at one part of the movie yeah it's weird and he is smushing everybody that's close enough and he's just like grabbing people and eating them kind of yeah um, but it's an absolute mess. So the end of the movie, 
the the experiments um, all team up because Kaneda got grabbed and he's inside of this blinding light with Tetsuo, and so the the kids don't care. They're like, hey, that, that's that's Kaneda's problem. And then one of the kids is like, no, we need to go save him because he he caused all of this. He he helped so much, he shouldn't die. So they all hop in. And they save Kaneda. They spit him back out. And I think K is in there too. Um, Tetsuo doesn't die, but he's sent to another realm with Akira and the experiments. And apparently they say that one day he'll be back when he can control his powers. It's really, it gets really meta and weird at the end. It's lights and memories. And he's like a little kid. And he's like, like my name's Tetsuo. Ha ha ha. My forehead's giant. And then... They ride off on their bikes, and it's just, you know, Tokyo's even more fucked up. And they're like, well, we need to survive. And they scoot off. Um, yeah, it's a lot at the end. It, it gets weird. But, you know, it's sci-fi. And that's what you do with sci-fi. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, no, this movie's amazing. Uh, really cool stuff in it. So, uh, seven-word synopses. What you got? Okay, I got two. Weapon X and Super Soldier Program Failure. This movie is basically a combination of the Weapon X program and the Super Soldier program um, from both from Marvel. And it's like they combined and had a baby and it was Akira and it just went to shit. Yeah. It's, it's like Bucky, like when he was evil, but way worse. It's like Bucky when he was evil and then he got so evil that he became he became fucking Thanos. Like, yeah. That it's just insane, and then my other one is what the fuck is even going on? <laughs> because that's how I felt for forty, like fifty percent of this movie. Like the beginning made sense, like Otis said, and the end made sense. The middle was just what the fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Again, it's gonna take a few rewatches to understand well what's happening the whole time. Okay, so my seven word it is Kaneda Tetsuo. They yell so damn much. They really do. Uh, with a technical anime, the main characters, their rivals, they love each other, but they have to yell each other's names. Like yep. I told Katie, Inuyasha, they yell names all the time. Naruto, they yell Sasuke! names all the time. <laughs> Naruto! Yes. Sasuke! Sasuke! When yeah. he comes into that cave. Oh, that's such, it's the best yell. He's so pissed. Uh, but yeah, no, it's... Uh, he's like low grumble. It's good stuff, man, because they're, they're best friends, and he's pissed that he's doing all this stuff. Yeah. It's great. Okay. So, this movie came out July 16th, 1988. What do you think the budget for this amazing well, film Well, because was? they made new colors and because of how insane the animation was for 1988, um, I'm going to go like 10 million. The budget for Akira is 1.1 billion. The yen. budget? Yen. Oh, yen. <laughs> I don't know what the I don't know what that means. I know, I, but I, all right. I, I, I transferred it. So when I was reading the budget and it said one point one billion, I was like, "Fuck!" <laughs> I was like, "This movie ain't making its money. Like and, it's good, but it ain't that good." And then it said yen. Yeah, I was like, "Okay, okay, okay." I was like, "Woo, woo! That's a lot of money for eighty eight. Yeah. Uh, nine million dollars. Nine million. All right. Yeah. Okay. So what do you think it made box office? Ooh, I don't know. Was this was this movie released in the United States? It came out a little bit later. Like in movie theaters, it was released yes. in the United States. Okay. Um, worldwide box office, I would guess 20 million. 
And I'm only saying it's that low because I feel like American audiences probably did not give it that much of a chance because animated movies in the 80s were not super huge. So check mark on that. So um, there was a dub with it at first, and yeah. that's the original dub that we watched. And then like a year later, they did another dub. Not the one we watched. No, we watched the second dub. Yeah, we watched the second one. There, the first dub, it came out in America and stuff. And people were like, okay, this is cool. And then like cult following happened and people like this is fucking amazing they're like oh yeah let's redub it let's do this again better and then they got all the the cool people of the time and they're like oh then it exploded yeah 2001 so in japan back in 88 it did 1.7 billion so it it made a little bit more like 10 10 ish million something like that uh worldwide 49 million holy shit yeah but you still gotta think back then like animated movies these days make like that uh, My Hero movie made fuck ton of money. Well, yeah, but but again, that's more because the ability to get to oh, everyone, yeah. like to let everyone know that a movie is coming out, is so much easier than it so was in the eighties. So much 80s. easier. And what? So I assumed this movie didn't do great, um, mostly because I can't imagine anime having that huge of a following. Like it in America, I knew it had yeah. it would have done well in Japan, but in America in the eighties, like anime was not a super huge deal, and we got everything anime at that point in the eighties. We got it way later. Yeah, like fucking Speed Racer was a show from the sixties, and we didn't get it till like the seventies. Like it took ten years to get over here to be you know something that we watched. Yeah, <laughs> and. Everything like that took a long time, so I'm shocked that it made that much money worldwide. Yeah. I mean, and that's what happened. It became so big. You know, I saw it on sci-fi mid-90s, and then they kept showing it and doing re-releases and stuff every time an anniversary came up. This movie is... I need to look up the number of what it did now. It's an absurd number now, so... Oh, yeah. It's probably made so much money by now. uh, Movie's amazing. Like, I know that's like the hundredth time we said it, but we're going to keep saying it because it's fucking good. It's an animated animation marvel um if you can transport yourself back to the 80s or even just take like watch something watch pull up something on youtube like a clip from any movie from the 80s like this movie came out in 88 um the next year would have been the release of the little mermaid so watch like a clip of the little mermaid and look at the animation style um watch like the scene where um Ariel is becoming, like, getting ready for the dinner party where she's, like, putting on, like, the normal uh, human clothes and all of that stuff. And you'll get a sense for what a human, quote-unquote, was meant to look like in the 80s in typical American animation. And then watch Akira and see how fucking farther and more incredible it was compared to that like the cartoony like this is a human this version of a human to what akira was like it's way different and way better like the animation it's like liquid smooth for its time it it still holds up to some like anime i've seen like recently yeah it looks great so like always guys please watch this movie it's really good yeah you got anything else for akira nope it was really good uh yeah I'm going to keep saying the same thing. Watch it a couple times. Yeah. Like, watch it, give yourself a break, and then watch it again a couple days later. 
Okay, so uh, we have a Twitter, and it is... At Allentown Pod. Uh, if you want to email us anything, if you know any fun facts that I didn't bring up about Akira or any other uh, anime that you want us to check out, you can email us at... AllentownPresents at gmail.com. We're on Facebook at... Allentown Presents. Uh, just about any podcast server, you can look for us and stuff. That's it, server like an old person would. Uh, <laughs> Anywhere podcasts can be found, you can find us at Allentown Presents. Yep. And we're going to keep going. Uh, there's a couple more anime that I know that are beautiful and awesome like this. Uh, but Akira is the big one. That's, this is the grandpappy of anime. So I'm glad that we got this. I'm glad that Katie got to see it. Uh, but yeah, there's a couple more great ones that we're going to watch. We're going to keep going. So like always, guys, thank you for listening. And we'll be back very soon with another anime movie. Okay, bye, guys. Bye.